Well, praise God. We're glad to have you all out this morning. We're uh, going to be all the way into 1 Timothy today. And I'd like, if you did not pick up one Sunday, be sure to pick up a bulletin out there. We're going to be having on Sunday morning, November 5th, a free fellowship lunch. It's time to just fellowship, get better acquainted. Uh, new people, old people, well, not old people, but yeah, yeah I'm going to be there, old people, and uh, some who have been in the church for just a few weeks, and some have been in for many, many years, uh, and I'll be sharing basically over the meal, it's a free meal, we just need for you to sign up for it, of how many are going to be there, how many to cook for it. And we'll be sharing about the, the operations of the church and try to answer any questions you may have. And just provide a good time with some good fellowship around the tables. We'll also invite you if you'd like to become a member of the church. We'll tell you how to make that happen. Uh, because this is a, uh, a church that we vote on, on things together. Whether it's our leadership of deacons or, or pastors or whatever, it's a voting thing. And you need to be a member to vote. And so we would appreciate having you on board. So next next Sunday, be sure and slip into the lobby, the South Lobby, and sign up to be a part of the fellowship lunch on November 5th, right after morning service. You don't have to go out and wait at a restaurant. You don't no you don't have to tip anybody. Just Come after service and sit down and have a good meal and some fellowship. And uh, we'll be announcing more about that. And this came up uh, Sunday. Somebody came up to me and said, I won't be at the board meeting Saturday. And I says, well, that's good. We don't have one this Saturday. <laughs> uh, Where the second Saturday is men's prayer breakfast, and board meeting to follow. So, gentlemen, do not show up this Saturday for your men's breakfast. I will be cooking, and Pastor Jamie will be sharing. During this October, we have, there's so much, have you noticed on TV, everything is demons and scare and blood and gore, and, uh, uh, Pastor Jamie's going to be talking about that, uh, the forces of the, the dark side that are out there that want to ensnare our young people, ensnare our young people, and older people too, because his main tool is fear, it's fear. So let's get started today, let me walk over here and shut my door. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. What a gorgeous day it is. And we're thankful, Father, for the great weather. We ask your blessing upon our Bible study today, not only this morning, but this evening, that as we study your word, your word would speak to our hearts. We ask for your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn, if you would, to the letter the first of two letters that Paul sent to Timothy. 
And we're going to look at 1 Timothy today and at Timothy himself a little bit. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Amen. Now the purpose of the commandment is to love from a pure heart, and from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, sodomites, the kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Do you notice what it said there? The law is not necessarily for the righteous. It's so that the sinners know what is righteous. If we don't share the Word of God, how are they to know that they're out of favor with God? That's right. If we do not proclaim godly principles and God's Word, how, how can the, the ungodly, the murderers, the, uh, all the different, the sodomites and whatever, how can they know they're on the wrong path? If we don't tell them, the path's over here. And, uh, boy, this was written a couple thousand years ago, but boy, it needed, needs to be reread today, doesn't it? Because we have Christians say, well, we don't want to just tell people law, but no. Tell them about Jesus, who can help you keep your life straight. Now, this was the first of two pastoral letters. Any idea why we call them pastoral letters? Letters to people of God. No. They're written to pastors. pastors. They're written to pastors. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're written to give instruction to Timothy, in this case, about how to handle the duties of the church. How to treat the you know, the, the men, the old men, the young men, the women, the girls, uh, all different marriage, everything. He's giving him pastoral advice of how to lead a church. 
Can you think of any other pastoral letters? Now we know that there are what we call the epistles or the letters to the churches, but can you think of any other pastoral letters from Paul? Thank you. There's one in every crowd. You don't sit that close to Tom. How are you coming up with? Okay. Yes, 2 Timothy is another pastoral letter to the same pastor. Titus. Titus. Titus, another pastoral letter. And basically, uh, Philemon was one as well. He wasn't necessarily a pastor, but he hosted a home church in Colossae and gave him instructions about receiving uh, his servant, Onesimus. So as you look at the scriptures, we have some of the, the letters are to churches, giving them instructions, and some are to, Paul's letters, are to pastors, giving them insight in how they're to conduct themselves and lead a church and then we have some other letters we'll be getting to shortly here in our study in First and Second Peter. Anybody remember who that was written to? <coughs> yeah. It was basically written to those who were saved on the day of Pentecost. That are scattered back to their home countries. Uh, we have other pastoral aspects in James and Jude. So the pastoral letters are Paul through the Holy Spirit giving instruction to Timothy. Now what do we know about Timothy? He was a very godly person. He was a godly man. Man of faith. He was a man of faith. He was young. <clears throat> he was young, yeah. Paul said, don't let, him don't let him despise your youth, buddy. <clears throat> Just because you're young doesn't mean you're not the pastor. I've been there. It's been a long time. But I was there once. He had a Greek father. He had a Gentile father and a Jewish Christian mother. Wonderful marriage. And uh, Paul talks very highly of her and of his grandmother, uh, Lois. Eunice was the mother, Lois the grandma. And uh, the place that, because they're mentioned, it lets us know that we as parents and grandparents have a role to play in the lives of our children and grandchildren. Yes, sir. And a very important one. And the Holy Spirit, through Paul, names them and uh, expresses that to Timothy how important they were of sincere and solid faith. He has a good heritage. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, can I get somebody to read 2 Timothy 1.5 for me? I think Sean ought to read it since she brought it up all the Is 
solid faith. And a few months ago, when we weeks ago, when we were in another aspect of Paul's writings, we found that that word sincere. Anybody remember what it means in the original? Without wax. Sine sire. It means it was a advertising term in the day. People would go to uh, junkyards, whatever, and they would find old cracked clay pots that had been cast aside. They would use wax to fill in the cracks and then paint them and sell them as, not factory seconds, but sell them as good pots. Now what's going to happen? You heat some water up in that good old uh, cracked pot. <clears throat> the wax would melt. If you washed them in hot soapy water, you're going to come up with pieces of pots. Uh, if you're cooking something in it, oh my. If you're carrying water and it's in the heat of the day, you're wearing the water that you carry. And so, sincere meant that nothing was added to cover up his faith. That it was a real deal. It was not faith for show. Eh, I'm a little skeptical of some of the people that say they have great faith, but it's for show. Great faith, sincere faith, is not for show. It's the real deal. And it's, it's that's what Paul's talking about here. He says that your, your mom and your grandma, they had a sincere faith. And I'm persuaded it's in you also. It's not fake. It's not, maybe I'm off base here. Have any of you run into some fakey Christians? Yes. How, how do they come off to you? Don't use the word fake. I, I just used it. How do they come off to you? You can tell. Overly righteous. Yeah, overly self-righteous. Pride, a lot of pride. A lot of pride. Arrogant. Well, what are you doing? And they're looking down their nose at you because your faith is just not as strong as their faith. That's not faith. That's arrogance. And I'd rather have a sincere faith. How about you? Yes. It'll stand the test of heated situations. When you go through the fire, your faith's still there. Yes, sir. If it melts, yeah. mm, it was fake faith. It was faith. It was faith. And and so he is considered here to have the same kind of sincere, sun-tested faith that his mom and his grandma did. Now, what a compliment. Yes. Not just to him, but also to his mom and his grandma. Mm -hmm. We believe that he was saved under Paul's ministry. And can I get somebody to read 1 Corinthians 4, 17? We'll do that. Okay, there you go. 
Corinthians 4.17. <clears throat>
What does it say that the temperature is? It doesn't say anything. I got to read it. Oh. <laughs> 73. Well, there you go. So it must be working. Is it on? Yeah. Okay, well. Automatic. Keep on fanning yourself then, folks. Automatic cool. All right, we're good. We're good. Well, you put your it's just me. It's just me. Okay. It's me and several other people in the room. How many of you, your thermostat, personal thermostat, runs a little warm? Anybody else? How many of you, you're always cold? Anybody ever just right? <laughs> well, I'm moving right along. How's the temperature in your house? Those of you who are watching at home. So, Paul sent him in to handle disputes because he was like a son to him and he would handle it the way Paul would handle it. He reminds him at various times, you know, you know what I taught, you go do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And he knew that he could trust Timothy <laughs> to preach the same message yes, sir. as he has been preaching. Over the years, I've had some times when I've invited people to preach, and they have said some things that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I've never had them again. And uh, though they would ask many times, no. One time, uh, here, this is many years ago here at the church, a person was attending and he had ministerial credentials. He was a former pastor. And he got up and he just lambasted the congregation in my absence. You were nasty people. You said bad people. The church is just terrible. And... Uh, that's the last time he ever spoke. In any way. Then you have to straighten everything out. Yeah, that's always fun. I was up at Paintsville one time, and and a guy was usually he was pretty good, but he got off track on his on on himself, and he was saying some things that I had just taught against previously in the church and I just stood up and says brother we need to move past that and the people cheered up. <laughs> but uh, you know Paul had confidence that Timothy was not going to bring in some harebrained idea well, I don't think I can handle this no he handled it the way Paul would want it handled yes. with sound doctrine and that's the reason Paul's pouring into his life to give him insights. This is how you handle the older guys in your church. This is how you handle the younger, younger people in your church. This is how you handle marriage situations. And he gave him insights, and he knew that Timothy would do what he told him to do. That's great. Okay. He was a troubleshooter. Ultimately, we find historically that Timothy was the bishop of Ephesus. He ultimately became the pastor overseer over all the church in Ephesus. There was not just one group. There were churches all over Ephesus. It was a huge city. 
And he was in charge over all of them and was the pastor, bishop of Ephesus. We learned that not from Bible, but from extra-biblical sources, but it is, it is rock-solid, that's the way it was, that kind of thing. So we know about Timothy, and we know that he is pastoring, basically, at Ephesus by the time, and the other places Paul sends him, and he's giving <laughs> pastoral advice to the rookie. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, we read the words that were already mentioned here. Don't let them despise your youth. What in the world does that mean? Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. What did Paul say to him? Don't, don't let them look down on you because you're young. Yeah. You may be a rookie. You may be young. But, you know, uh, don't. Don't let them mess with you about your youth. And as I mentioned many, 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 many years ago, when I started my first pastorate, I had my next door neighbor, godly man, he and his wife did look down on young people. They had some bad experiences with pastors, I understand that. But uh, they were always... Well, you'll you get a few years on you, you'll understand, you know. And you'll calm down, you know. You'll stop preaching that evangelistic style after a while, you know. Nah, <laughs> I have it hadn't warned off yet, you know. But uh, some people look down upon the younger, and sometimes the young overcompensate by being arrogant and bossy. That's not good either. No. Timothy wasn't like that. He had sincere faith, right? Right. So, this is pastoral advice to Timothy, and we're going to look at some prayer principles here in 1 Timothy today. The first prayer principle is found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if you'll turn there. Praying for leaders over you. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, says this. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? So, what is, the first prayer principle is, Paul is telling Timothy, who is the pastor bishop over a Roman colony ruled by Rome. You remember some of the stuff that happened in Ephesus where the idol workers union got all bent out of shape and, and uh, they kicked some of the believers out and the Jews didn't like them and, and those in authority were, were allowing them to be uh, tossed about. He's telling Timothy 
pray for them. Oh, that's tough. This is some of the toughest scripture you'll ever come over. <laughs> when the leaders, the authorities are messing with you and are evil and the Roman government at that time, hundreds and hundreds of false gods, even Caesar was a god, and alcohol was a god. Times haven't changed much, but but uh, pray for them. Pray for them. And uh, it says, I, I exhort, first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, all those in authority. How many of you have a few issues with some who are in authority? That's who I pray the hardest for. Yeah. And uh, I've got some issues. We're not talking politics here. This is not political praying. I know that can get everybody fired up. But that's not what he's talking about here. You didn't have a vote on Caesar in those days. Okay? This was not a democracy. This was a dominion emperor where the emperors were worshipped as gods. This was not a holy situation. And yet he's told to pray. Isn't told to pray for over the next election. Not a political thing here. He's told to pray for him. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. It says that I want supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Oh, that's a toughie. Giving and supplicate. What in the world is a supplication? We've talked about this before, that word. Supplication. I can see it made a huge Pleading. impact on your life. Pleading. Pleading. Yes, it's a it's a begging and pleading. It's the word there in the Greek is desis, and it means a an urgent request. Uh, have you ever had some, you know, been on a, on a journey, and someone will say on the trip, uh, my kids were good at this. Dad, uh, the next time you see a, a rest stop, could you stop? Now that, that's a very polite way. Mm -hmm. But have you ever had them give you an urgent request? <laughs> Please stop now, even if it's beside the road. You know, with my, my youngest gets car sick, still does. And she had different levels of request. <laughs> Someone said, could, could we pull over for a little bit? That meant, get over to the side of the road or you're going to be wearing stuff on the back of your head. <laughs> you know, so. It was an urgent request. That's supplication. It's not just, oh, could you, you know, do something? No, it's do something, please, now. Uh, it's a bringing a request. 
Now let's look at, uh, can I get somebody to read Acts 1, 14, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, and James 5, 16. Let me take it back. Acts 1, 14. Tom's got it. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Sean has got it. James 5. You got James? James has James. Okay. 516, James. It's your book. Okay. Acts 1 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay. This aspect of in the upper chamber. the resurrection has occurred, the ascension. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received power from on high. Mm-hmm. And they are not just praying, but there is prayer and supplication. Mm-hmm. They are urgently seeking what Jesus promised. Yes. Urgently <laughs> seeking. What's the difference between just asking in prayer and earnestly seeking something from God. That's getting down to sweat and blood. Sweat and blood? (laughs) Blood, sweat, tears? Desperation Desperation Mm -hmm. and unrelenting. Mm -hmm. You know, if if somebody asked me, could could you do this? And it wasn't convenient at the time, and if they never bring it up again, they weren't really all that serious about it, right? You know, if you've had people like that, haven't you, that they'll ask for something and you're not able to do it right then, and they say, did you want that? Nah, no, I don't, it, no, don't water, I, I don't need it now. Supplication suggests an urgency and a persistence, not letting go of it, hanging on to it. Have you ever, you know, bad illustration probably, but how many of you ever had a dog that loved to play tug of war with you over an old sock or a bone or a toy? Anybody? Now, you can tell when they were done playing when. Just drop it. Just drop it. Walk away. We had uh, we were great dog sitting the other night, and Obi is is there, and and usually he wants to play with this green squeaky toy, and, and so I here here and he just walks over and lays down. You know what that? You know what that right? Now other times you he's backing up and you know he's shaking and everything. That's the kind of determination we're talking. Don't let go. Mm-hmm. It's supplication is don't just pray once and say, well, you know, whatever. Uh, a determination, a persistence supplication. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. <clears throat> Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, 
and I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay. Here, Paul is telling the Ephesians to pray, put on the whole armor of God, and pray in the Spirit <clears throat> with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Don't give up on them. And for me, he's asking for a persistent, urgent praying for his ministry. God bless Pastor Paul. Yes, sir. And then stop and just forget about it. No. He's asking for persevering supplication. Urgent. Not letting go of it. You know, hanging on to it. Biting on and not letting loose. And uh, prayer and supplication. James 5.16 uh, Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. The fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man that they are much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man prevails much. Here he's saying it's it's you know fervent prayer. Fervent. The root of it is basically where they get the word fever from. And uh, fervent, hot. Not just kind of a lukewarm prayer, but fervent prayer. On fire prayer. Pleading with God concerning those who are in authority. That's what Paul said. I want you to, I'm exhorting you, I'm encouraging you. I'm mean, saying this is the way it ought to be for you to, with prayers and supplications and intercessions, uh, even thanksgiving, uh, be made for everybody, but especially for your kings, those in authority over you. Pleading with God concerning others. Pleading with God concerning others. And... Uh, for what? What's the purpose of this? He tells us in uh, verse 2 of First Timothy 2. Somebody read it out for me. Verse 2. First Timothy. For King 2. Yeah. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Okay, that's his prayer. His prayer, he's not doing anything political here, right? He's not doing anything political. He is praying, encouraging Timothy to pray for those in authority. For what purpose? Quiet. Peace. That they can live a quiet and peaceable life and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ right where they are. Surrounded by all the pagan deities and gods and idols and all the, the stuff that's going on in Ephesus, Timothy, I want you to pray for those in authority 
that they'll take their hands off you so that you can live a peaceable life in all godliness. Don't use it as a license to do whatever so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be spread in that time. They're praying for favor. Huh? So they're praying for favor. They're praying for, for favor, but not uh, in, in a sense. Yeah, in a sense yeah. They're praying yeah. for them to keep their hands yeah. off of them. <laughs> you know, if somebody's strangling you around the neck, <laughs> laying hands on you suddenly, <laughs> this would be like praying that somebody gets their hands off your neck. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't the ultimate result of this prayer though be for their salvation? Yeah. The, the, the ultimately, they're making intercession for them and even giving thanks for any positive things that happen and praying the way that they're going to stop tormenting you is they get saved. Now, Paul understands this because he found out later people were praying for him even when he was persecuting the Jews, I mean the Christians from a Jewish perspective. And ultimately, their prayers were answered when he got saved. He stopped messing with them. Amen? The believers up in Damascus were praying, Oh, Lord, do something to Paul. Not to Saul of Tarsus. Just do something. Smite him, Lord. Smite him to the ground. Well, God did. But, it was ultimately his salvation that changed his persecution into blessing. So amid this interceding and supplication and pleading and all of this praying that we might live a quiet and peaceable life, the primary objective is first of all their salvation. Amen. But guess what? Every person in authority over you has a will of their own. Mm -hmm. They have a will of their own. <clears throat> yeah. The way I pray for the politicians, leaders, is for their salvation, and then ask God to remove them until they're saved. That's good. That's good. Like that. <laughs> and, and to <laughs> kick them up. Yeah. Or she prays a lot then. Yeah. And the, it's a fine line. We've got to guard ourselves against praying politically and praying spiritually. Realize the context of this verse. And this is so important. We can't really understand it because we do live in a democracy. We have certain rights and privileges. Yes, they're being eroded. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes bad things are happening. But we still have a say. Mm -hmm. The sad thing is that many born-again, blood-washed believers don't say. They don't take a stand. Or else those in authority over us would not be in authority over us if you know, if we voted righteous, you know. It's not about politics. It's about righteousness. 
Uh, I'm going to step aside here. I'm not getting political. I am getting <coughs> righteous indignation here. Where is the line? Um, that's what I'm working on. <laughs> so I'm going to step aside. You know, you know, it is wrong to kill the unborn. Amen. It is wrong. It's not a political issue. They've made it into politics, but it's not a political. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. Souls are being killed. The soul lives on. We understand that. They, they, they go immediately to be with the Lord. That's unquestioned. But the practice of murdering the unborn is sin. It is evil. And if I do not take a stand against that, I am contributing to the evil. That knoweth to do good and doeth it not. You you quote everything in King James too. Me too. Me too. Yes. I was just going to say I have signs for issue one in my man. Oh good. Please please leave them here because it's for me it's not politics. It's a spiritual matter. Nor is issue two politics. Well let's just allow everybody to get high and drive and. Uh, uh, move on to harder drugs and uh, just so that they can do what they want to do with marijuana. That's not, it's not a political issue for me. It's a righteous issue. And so I want to pray for those in authority over that they will come to see righteousness and unrighteousness. Godliness and ungodliness. And then they have a choice. And I want you to know that in these times in which we live, many of those in authority over us choose to not let us live peaceably and spread the gospel without problems. But they have a choice. They have a free will just like you do. We cannot pray for their free will to be taken away from them. God will not do that. He didn't do it for you, and he won't do it for them. You see? He won't take your free will away. That's what we're going to get to. We're, we're to pray. It says, first of all, we're to pray for our kings, all those who are in authority. That we may, we believers, Christians, may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Our desire is not to fuss with anybody. We just want to be left alone so we can serve Jesus. Amen? Yes. Now when they are doing things that make that difficult, nigh unto impossible, we're to continue interceding and not give up on it. Say, Lord, whatever it takes to cause them to take their hands off of the spread of the gospel, of the things that they're doing, and uh, to pray for their salvation. If they get saved, how many of you believe this? If leaders over us would get saved, 
Then stops persecuting the church like Paul did when he got saved. Amen. Amen. So we're praying for their salvation. We're also praying that even if they choose not to receive the free gift of salvation, you cannot force it on them. You cannot make them choose salvation. Do we all understand this? We do not have that power. God limits himself. He does not take that power away. You're free to choose. Heaven or hell. He wants it. He's not willing that any should perish. But it's your choice. I've got two dishes here. And one of them has arsenic in it. And the other one doesn't. But it's your choice. Which you want to eat. Well, I want that one. Well, I think you're stupid to take that one. But you can, you know, I'm letting you know there's poison in it. Now, if you still choose to eat the poison, I've tried to warn you. Yes. And we don't, we do it with supplication. We plead with them to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for them to reach a point of calling out to the Lord. But we cannot overrule their will. And so we pray, first of all, for their salvation. But we also pray that for whatever reason, they pull their hands off of us so that we can do what God has called us to do. Amen, amen. To share the... Now here's the rub. <laughs> you have to be doing God's work and will for this prayer to have any significance at all. We can't pray, give us a peace so that we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and then not do it. That's right, tell it. You see what a frustrating position this is in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're creeping in with some different things, but folks, we have the liberty to witness to people. We can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. But if we don't, you see what I'm saying about this prayer? It's meaningless unless we're doing something with the peace that we have and the liberty that we have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're not doing anything, it'd be like the, the person that uh, says, I want to I want to drive my car 70 miles an hour. I want to drive my car 70 miles an hour. And so they change the, the speed limits on some of the freeways. You can drive 70 miles an hour. How many of you have been behind somebody that drives 45 <laughs> in a 70 mile zone? Anybody been behind somebody? They could be driving the speed limit. Okay, we'll take away the 70. Some of you shuddered at 70. Okay, have you ever been behind somebody who is driving 10 miles per hour below the registered speed limit on the road in which you're on? Anybody? Anybody? Does it, does it bother you? Yes. Does it bother you? Yes. 
They can drive 45. But they're driving 25. And you want to honk at them. And you want to yell at them. But they drive along. And, and uh, that's what we're talking about here. I know it's a crude illustration. But we have the peace and the liberty to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ right now in America. Mm -hmm. We have the right and the privilege to gather and praise God at church. Church But if you were here Sunday, you realize though we have the privilege and the right and the opportunity we had a lot of empty places in the house now I can take it personally I try not to you know vacations, traveling here I'm cool with that but those who could be and aren't. Why should they pray for those in leadership over them, authority over them, that they would live a quiet and peaceful life so they can share the gospel of Jesus Christ if they are in a quiet and peaceable environment and they still don't take advantage of what's available? Do you think that there would be enraged believers if we said, well, we're just going to shut the church down. Yeah. Think anybody might be upset? Yes. yes. Well, how could they, if the government came in and shut down the church? Oh, they'd be in play. Well, we're just going to go to church. Well, where were you last week? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just... This ain't politics. We're talking about the way to pray this to pray for those in authority over you so that you can do what you're supposed to do as a believer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take a step further. You oh. probably don't want me to, but I will anyway. Yes, please. It's kind of foolish for us to say, Lord, we want to we want to impact our community. We want to do something for our community. But the opportunity is there but not the participation. That's hypocritical. That's just me. I know I'm a little hard line. But I I consider that hypocritical. If we have the, that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, either at the, the, the Lord's house and we can worship together, we can study God's word together, and, 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 and we have that peace. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have that liberty. Yes, we do. Thank the Lord. But if we do not do anything with it, this prayer is of none effect. Mm-hmm. You say, well, we can still pray for the leaders in authority over But what does it say? We For kings and all who are in authority, that, so that, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. We can pray for their salvation, but let's say they all get saved. I, that would be wonderful. 
But if we're still not doing anything in the cause of Christ, what's happened? I'm getting blank stares. I'm going to stop talking. You talk for a moment. Am I, if I'm way off base, just let me know, and I'll crawl back in my hole. <laughs> no. What's your thoughts?
If you got a phone call in the store, could you talk? Of course you could. Your phone rings, you talk. You may pull yourself aside, right? So I, hold on a minute, I'm in the middle of Walmart. I need to get over here and talk. Just say, hey, you know, can I pray for you? Let's just step over here, out of the way. Let's just step over here so I can pray for you. W would that be all right? You're going to find most of them. say, sure. You're right in the story. You don't, you don't, it's not about having other people hear you pray. It's about you praying with that one-on-one -on -one person. Uh, you know, Jesus talked about don't pray on the street corner so people can hear you pray. We're not talking about drawing attention to yourself. We're talking about two people having a conversation with the Almighty God in the middle of a Walmart store. There's many times that I've, I've prayed with people in, in Kroger's, in uh, restaurants, in different situations, and uh, you just get a, little, get a little space with them, and it's just you and them and God. You don't need to be loud. You just pray for their need. What? You know, and uh, the Lord can use that. You say, well, they, they, they don't want to they don't want to receive Jesus right now. Fine. They're one step closer. They're one step closer. We can just get people one step closer than the next person that comes across their path. They can be right there. Okay? That, that answer your question? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. second one, uh, you, can, you can try to read your Bible and uh, publicly, right? Well, I, I you know... Um, some people throw stones at me on this one. We're to hide God's word in our hearts, right? We're to study God's word, have it on the inside. It doesn't mean that we are to quote scripture to people to get them to be saved. Because it has no authority to them. Jesus never quoted scripture to the common person. Study it and find out that I'm telling you the truth. He only quoted scripture to the ones who knew it. The scribes and the Pharisees. And the chief priests. He never, he talked to the other people in parables, didn't he? The common person. You see, if I come up to Jim, Jim, John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jim says, John who? <laughs> the Bible has no authority to a person who doesn't reverence it. But we can share. I want to tell you something, Jim. There is a God and He loves you. And He wants to do special things in your life. I think people respond more to that than me quoting the scripture to them. You know, I, I, you know, I have a lot of Bible up here, <laughs> and I'm trying to get it down here. <laughs> but me quoting Scripture to someone does not necessarily uh, help if they don't reverence the Bible. Now you'll run into people where they were raised in church and they've studied the Bible, and maybe they were once very active, but they've drifted away. Then. The Lord will lead you. The Bible says when you're called to account, he'll give you those words that you ought to say. 
and quoting scripture to somebody who doesn't know the author, it would be like quoting the New York Times to somebody. If somebody quotes uh, the New York Times to me, I say, I don't, I don't, um, I don't like that publication. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, so I, it has no bearing on me. Now, I know some, some people are upset. You were trained, you go out and you share these 15 scriptures with people, boom, you reel in the, the catch. I, I don't, I don't. I don't see I don't see it in the pattern of Jesus and the disciples. Now who did Paul quote scripture to? The Jews, because that's the only scriptures they had. And he would reason with them out of the scriptures. Because they were there in the synagogue with the scriptures and they reverenced it. And so he used the scriptures that were there to teach them about Jesus Messiah. They didn't have any of the New Testament yet. They was living under the law, wasn't they? They were living, uh, all they had in writing was the Old Testament. That's all they had. And uh, so he's preached Jesus to them out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, mm -hmm. that he's the Passover lamb. He's the lamb without spot who laid down his life for the sins of the world. And behold the lamb of God. He taught all those things, you know, out of the Old Testament. Uh, but those were people who reverenced the scriptures. They had them in their synagogue. That's where he was reading from. So, I don't know. Am I confusing you? I hope I'm not. Do you understand the difference between quoting scripture to someone and using the principles of scripture to communicate with people? That God loves them and has a plan for their life. Yeah. Really showing them that you care. Yeah. Yeah, me just quoting something to you does not show anything about me other than that I know something. And they really don't care. And the old adage is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Come on, that's good. For example, I, I was in Meyer the other day burned with this sack. And you'd be surprised how that brings up a conversation. One guy said, oh, I'd love to go to Jerusalem to do this and do that. And the lady in the checkout said, Oh, I want to go there to be baptized. Mm -hmm. I just sat there before. Yeah, witness wear is another great way to drum up a, a conversation with people. I have this the same thing. I have a whole fleet of hats. I love hats. Mm -hmm. And I have witness wear hats. I have my Jerusalem hats. I always get comments from people. Uh, I'll go into a hospital visit, like if I'm going into an emergency room. And I'll have on my FBI hat. And that always gets people's attention. FBI, your FBI is a firm believer in Jesus. Yes, I am. And I'll have, I'll have doctors and nurses come up and say, oh, I love that hat. And on occasion, I've given them one. You know, uh, you know it, it's a conversation starter. And, you know, you're, you're just... Uh, the Lord put you across their path and it attracted their attention and they ask you about it. Hey, that's an open door to talk to people. You know. And uh, you know, so other thoughts, other thoughts. I know 
I'm a little radical. I'm a little radical. I'm not discouraging you from memorizing scripture. I'm just saying that you memorizing scripture and quoting it to somebody who does not regard it. Casting what before? They don't know what they're eating, right? Take a big sack of cultured pearls and you throw it out, an old pigeon. And now they have a, a nice pearl necklace on the inside of them and they don't, all, all they're going to do is digest it. Or not. You may get your pearls back. I don't know. But uh, you won't want them. <laughs> Other thoughts. Uh, I know I'm radical. I'm, this is not what you're generally going to hear. I'm radical. If I'm off base, let me know. What about using the analogy uh, that uh, President Trump used? Uh, uh, what do you got to lose if you don't try it? Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, if, uh, if you've got somebody uh, that's questioning whether they want to go to church or not, I mean, mm -hmm. what's going to hurt, you know? Uh, go in there, the worst thing can happen is you can go in there and say, I'm not going back again. Yeah. yeah. The only question, the only uh, provision I would say is if you bring up certain people's names, you've already destined yourself for failure. Because you don't want them to meet Trump. You want them to meet Jesus. Right. Amen. And people have hostility, yeah. you know, for oh, names man. and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so you know, using that illustration, you know, uh, if you don't like it, fine. You know, tune in to, you know, I encourage people, you know, have some of the my cards. Tell them that they can tune in to Bible studies and sermons. So give it a try. You Maybe you'd like to come and... Have, have it live, you know, whatever. I've used, I've had a lot of people that the last drama I did with Jedediah Smith have used that to talk to unsaved loved ones and uh, moving into the black culture, using that as a, as a testimony. You know, so, you know, we, uh, but to say, what's it hurt? You know, if you don't like it, fine, you know. We're not the only church, you know, we're one, you know, of, of many. But uh, uh, maybe you might find what you're looking for. Yeah. That last drama, I missed it, we didn't get to church that day, but that's not on television. Wrong it day. should be. Oh, okay, I was for, for it that day. But it's it should be, Monday. it should be. Okay. It takes a few days for it to process through when it's a longer clip like that. <laughs> But uh, it was recorded, so. But the thing is, the clock can swing the other way. We've had relatives that got saved, and the, they want to blast them. Are you saved? And that is so ineffective. When you have people that just go nutso on you, mm -hmm. and it drives people away. I have I have people that that uh, they're safe, but I don't want to be around them. Because they're, they're arrogant and pushy and smart-mouthed and they put people down. Act like they're 
It's not, as we said earlier, sincere faith. It's not about you. It's about the one you have faith in. It's not promoting you. It's not surf, su superficial. It's real. It's sincere. It's genuine. And that's the world is looking for genuine. There's so much fake stuff. Yes, sir. Have any of you seen that new show? It's a new game show called Snake Oil. Any of you seen it? I've seen oh, the advertisement. It's they have products that contestants try to figure out if this is real or just a hoax. And they have all these products and they, they'll make up a, a little advertisement about it and then the person has to vote with money if they want to invest in that product. And it's hilarious because there's so much fake stuff out there. You say, that couldn't be real. That could not be real. But it was. And one that sounds kind of reasonable, no, it was fake. It was snake oil. It was, it was, uh, so the, uh, the whole premise is people are bombarded every day by scams and fakes and weird stuff. They're looking for something sine sire, without wax, the real deal. And if you come to them as the real deal, genuine, concerned about their lives, their souls, and their, their situation, you're not just trying to put a notch on your Bible. Yes, I got somebody saved today. Yay me. You didn't save anybody. Right. Yeah. Jesus is the Savior. Last time I checked. And if you're taking credit for it, you got a problem. Just saying. So, uh, we're to pray for those in authority over us. Praying ultimately for their salvation. And if they choose not to be saved, we don't quit praying. We pray that they would take their hands off so we can do our job. But then, we have to do our job of spreading Christ in our community. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I spouted off too much. I'm sorry. But I didn't make it through the lesson, but I didn't get to the second principle. Well, let me quick. Two minutes. Two minutes. Is that a psalm? No. no. Praying for that peace does not mean we compromise to get it. You know, well, we'll give a little, they'll, maybe they'll back off. Ask the American, Native Americans how that works. Well, we'll give you land for peace. Mm -hmm. See how that worked for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we looked at how and what to pray. Praying for their salvation. Praying that they, government restrictions and those kind of things, whether we're in a democracy or not, that we're able to do the job we're called to do of being a witness, being light and salt, in our area, realize that that prayer will not always be answered because it involves somebody else's will. Yeah. But we keep 
persistently praying and doing our job though. It's, in, it's hypocritical to pray for us to have peace so that we can spread the message of Jesus if we don't spread the message of Jesus. Okay, I'm done. We're done. Let's go to prayer. <laughs> you say, oh, I'm going to pray for him. He's messed up. <laughs> I can use all the prayer and you can use the practice. Okay. Prayer request today. Yes. We need to pray for those in authority over us. Yes. Um, a man, his name is Alan, and he has cancer, liver cancer, and he's going to have surgery tomorrow. Alan, liver cancer. Unsaved loved ones. Uh, unsaved loved ones. I'm saying for my um, sister-in-law, and um, she's married to my brother, of course, and he passed away a couple years ago. And she's um, 89. She'll be 90. And <coughs> she's starting to get to that place where she's not going to be able to stay by herself anymore and things and she's just pray for her she needs prayer and uh, it's a you know it's a hard time in, yeah. in your life when you you know get older like that yeah. and, uh, her name's Lida Lida other prayer requests yes thank you for my son your son, and his first name is again is Joseph. Joseph. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, Carissa's uh, in-laws or sister-in-law and whatever. Uh, she and Gary right now are in custody of the nieces and nephews due to stuff going on and it's a a big deal and uh, so she needs a few more hours in the day and more strength and wisdom and it's just a very complicated sinister situation that puts nieces and nephews under their care and so they're having to they go to different schools and, and different times and all the stuff that's going on. So uh, just be keeping Gary and Carissa in prayer and in memory as their small little house is uh, larger on, on the inside now. And uh, I'm trying to find ways to help, help them out. I also have a prayer request. I have a... Uh, a funeral to do tomorrow up in Galleon where I used to pastor and it's uh, challenging I'll just put it that way the person who passed away uh, he's, he's in heaven he's a godly man and they were dear friends of ours but there's infighting in the family so I'm stepping into a uh, a situation Nothing I do is going to be exactly right. I understand that. So you pray for me as I'm going up there tomorrow. What time do we I'm going to leave here at about 10.30. And then the service 
viewing from noon to two, and then two the service, then the graveside, and then I get to come back an hour and a half. So, so all that chunk of time. I need to keep my cool. My fuse is getting shorter these days. Have you noticed the fuse getting shorter? My fuse is getting shorter. I don't have a lot of patience with speaking, especially my own. Well, let's go to prayer if we could. And could we have several lead us out in prayer today? And let's, first of all, I'm going to lead in prayer over those in authority over us. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that we should pray for those who are in authority over us, for kings, and not just the, the, the social authorities, but even spiritual authorities. We pray, Father, first and foremost, that if they do not know you, that they will come to know you. That, Father God, that their decisions would not be in from the pressures of those around them, but your Holy Spirit guiding, directing them. We pray for their souls. And we pray for those that, that are in leadership, that they would come to realize they need you to govern righteously. And we, we, we pray, Father, the, the prayer of David, when he was getting ready to pass from this life, when he said, He that ruleth over man must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. And we pray, Father, for that. That those in authority over us would fear you. And be subservient to you. We pray that we would have opportunity to have the freedom and the peace. The gentleness so that we can serve you right here in Columbus, Ohio. That we can be your servants when we go into the shopping marts and we go into the grocery stores and we converse with our neighbors and with those that we meet. That, Father God, we can be salt and light in this world. That you would give us that, that you would uh, pry the hands of the government away so that we can do what you've called us to do. Yes. And be what you've called us to be with peace and gentleness. We ask, Father God, for these situations where the government seems to be assuming controls that rightfully belong to parents. And we pray, Father, that you would step in. We pray, Father, that you would intervene. We cry out for the unborn. We cry out for the innocents. And we know that your scripture says that the daughters of, of Israel cry out we think to the time of Herod when the, the babies were killed out of his anger and rage. Father God, we, we pray for you to move upon those who are wanting the slaughter of the innocents yes, to be called before you and for you to deal with them and speak to them. Get them safe, Father. Call them whatever it takes yes, to a place of yes, salvation yes, yes. that we might do our job of telling people about Jesus. Amen, amen. I pray it in Jesus' name today. Oh God. Yes. Dear Jesus. Thank you. Somebody else lead us in prayer over these other requests. Dear Lord Jesus, we truly thank you 
for your goodness and kindness and mercy. We ask you to look down upon the man of God, Lord. Touch him, Lord, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, Lord. Touch his lips, Lord, that there be lips of love, but also lips of fire, Lord, that the arms should stand with a living God. Look down on my brothers and sisters as they bring forth prayer put forth thee like incense, Lord. Lord, to the cocktail. Thank you, thank you, thank you that the word tells us how to pray, Lord. How to walk, Lord. How to look upon your loving grace, Lord. Mighty God, with love the word, Lord. It is a lamp unto our feet and will give you all the praise, all the glory in that precious name, the name of all names, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege of coming to you. Yes. And we just thank you for that privilege. Thank you for sending your only son. Lord, and we just we just praise you. Lord, we lift light up before you today. We pray, Lord, that that in this time of her life, Lord, that you will be ever close to her and uh, give her a peace and Lord, let her uh, move forward if, if what she needs to do is be with others, Lord, help her to relinquish that and, and uh, it, it's independence, Lord, that we, we all our lives have, um, and yet in our our golden years, some some things happen that we don't understand. We just have to bend, and Lord, sometimes it's so hard to bend. Lord, we ask that you would just be with her and uh, help Beth to help her. I pray, give her the words to uh, encourage. And Lord, we pray for Joseph. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will be with Janet. And uh, uh, she is walking before him. Lord, help her uh, in love and, and in kindness to uh, draw him to you. Uh, we just thank you that she has come uh, to our church and become a part of our family. And Lord, we just pray that you will strengthen her and minister to her as she ministers to her son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Father God, we do ask that you would remind us and help us to remind other brothers and sisters that we have work to do before you come again. We've been given a great place 
to do so. We have freedoms and privileges. Father, we realize that there's no guarantee on them, but we need to use them while we have them to share Jesus with as many as possible. We pray for our missionaries today. That many are in situations where they are not able to freely express Jesus to their community and culture. We pray, Father, you'd open doors and you'd make ways where they can share their faith. That people will see their good works and glorify their Father, which is in heaven. Help us all to be salt and light in a flavorless and darkened world. And we pray, Father, that you would let us be open to the opportunities of sharing our faith through prayer, through witness, that we can tell people Jesus loves them, that God has a plan for their lives and for their eternity. Father, when we confront those who are living in fear, that we would share that with them a life of faith. For all of these things, Father, we give you praise and we ask your blessing on each one as we go from this place as ambassadors for Jesus Christ in a hostile environment. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prayed up for Sunday. We're going to start a new series. And there were giants in the land. There were giants in the land. Well, the air's working now. You thought growing older would take longer, did you? the other day like that it said uh, I'm looking at all these old people and I graduated from high school with them <laughs> it's kind of scary it really is never thought I'd say that well 50 sounds really young